0: Welcome to the Mike Smith Show podcast. This is your one-stop shop for all the latest happenings in BC. From breaking news and developing stories to giving the big headlines a closer look, the Mike Smith Show is here to keep you dialed in and up to date. Let's begin. All right, good morning to you. This is Mike Smith, and we start today with the fallout and the aftermath of yesterday's big decision on Surrey policing. Yes, yesterday was D-Day, it was Decision Day, and as expected, the Solicitor General, Mike Farnworth, announcing that the new Surrey Police Service will continue, the RCMP in Surrey will be... Phased out. We've got lots of great guests to talk about this this morning as we analyze this decision and what happens from here. Let's have a listen first. Here to Farnworth speaking yesterday. He says, "Look, this has been dragging on too long. This time, definitely, this is the final word on this." Have a listen.
2: This decision is the, the final decision. Uh, the direction is clear. It's done under the authority of the uh, of the Police Act, uh, and we're very confident in the uh, in the legal authority on which this decision is made.
0: Okay, let's start our coverage this morning. My guest, Cash Heed, British Columbia's former Solicitor General, former Chief of the West Vancouver Police Department, now a Richmond City Councillor. Cash, thank you for coming on today. Good morning, Mike. Okay, good morning to you. And when you hear the minister say there that this was a, a legally a legal decision, this is the final decision, this was done under his authority in the Police Act, a law that you're very familiar with, is he right? Can he do this?
3: Absolutely. Under Section okay. 2 gives him the clear power to do this, not only for Surrey, but to ensure the safety, security and protective services for all of British Columbia. It's a responsible decision he made and it was the right decision.
0: Okay, so do you believe that Brenda Locke and Surrey City Council, do they have any other option other than to go along with this? I mean, there has been some suggestions about uh, fighting it in court.
3: Well, my understanding is there will be a bit of noise created by that local government, but when you look at it, I'm sure they'll try and ask for a judicial review. Uh, I'm sure that will be opposed almost immediately by the province. They may ask for an injunction. I'm sure that'll be dismissed. Right away. There are no other options. This is a uh, clear definition, a clear authority within the BC Police Act. It's one that uh, we utilized previously when I was dealing with the Esquimalt-Victoria dispute. And again, oh. it's it's so facto and uh, the law is uh, quite clear here in British Columbia with respect to that.
0: Why do you think it is the right decision? Because we need to reform policing.
3: We've called for uh, police reforms for so many years. Uh, When you look at just that particular issue, when you look at the all-party committee that got together that uh, created the recommendations going forward on how we need to implement changes to the BC Police Act, when you look at just this specific situation, when you look at the impact it would have on other communities that are served by the RCMP in British Columbia particularly, and the fact that if we had to put the resources in Surrey, those resources from those communities would be diminished considerably and it would lead to more safety concerns. Mike, we have 1,500 vacancies in the RCMP and BC alone, 500 clear vacancies and 1,000 people on other leave. They cannot do it. They cannot continue on with contract policing because they just don't have the resources to do it. they stretch themselves too thin.
0: Okay, Farnworth touched on this point yesterday in his news conference. Let's have a listen to what he had to say here. His concerns about shutting down uh, the Surrey Police Service several years into the transition and what that could mean. Let's listen to what he had to say, then I'll get your thoughts. If you have
2: a mass exodus of Surrey Police Service officers, how are you going to restaff them? Uh, and taking them from, you know, um, other communities, whether it's through overtime, taking resources from you know highway patrol or major crime unit or other specialty units that impacts other communities and i said that cannot happen
0: okay but as you staff up this new police force surrey police service don't the same dominoes continue to fall like won't there continue to be poaching of police officers from other jurisdictions
3: not necessarily. I think you mitigate it over a, a longer period of time where, in fact, you get it from different uh, organizations, whether it's independent municipal police agencies or transit police and all of that. You don't have this direct impact that almost has to be made immediately. And the other part of what the minister uh, would keep in mind is the fact that the severance pay would be upwards of $75 million borne by the taxpayer. Again, at the end of the day, there's only one taxpayer here. We need to make sure that we We don't impact them more than we have by the silly dispute that we've had ongoing for several years now in Surrey.
0: Okay, what does this mean for the future of the RCMP as a whole, do you think, in in British Columbia? Because there's been a lot of questions about that and whether the RCMP are sustainable here in B.C. going forward.
3: Well, this was foreshadowed in some announcements out of uh, Ottawa uh, this past week where they were talking about redefining the RCMP. And it's a concept that's been brought forward over a decade ago, how they were stretched too thin, as I mentioned, across Canada where they had federal authority uh, and duties that they had to maintain. They had terrorist activity that they had to deal with. They had contract placings not only with provincial governments but certainly with local municipalities. They are just spread too too thin. They were always meant to be just a federal force under the Constitution Act. They gravitated toward this contract policing, and I think that has really diminish their credibility within the police environment in Canada and elsewhere around the world. I think in talking to, well, not I think, in talking to several RCMP officers, they want that redefining. They would like to go to the federal position. I think we'd be better off as a nation if we had them stick with those duties that affect us, the drug issue, the organized crime issue, the, uh, the terrorist issue, the cyber crime, all of those federal duties that we need more resources on. I think the government would be wise to put them in that federal role. They'd be wise to have the provinces, which they're delegated under the Constitution Act, to look after policing within their boundaries. And they could contract to local governments or the creation of uh, uh, regional police services.
0: Speaking to Cash Heed about the announcement yesterday on Surrey policing the RCMP to be phased out in Surrey. I mean, this has been dragging on for years, Cash. It's cost a ton of money. Uh, Right now, you have this very... Kind of weird situation where Surrey effectively has two police forces. You've got RCMP officers and Surrey Police Service officers working side by side, often in the same, traveling in the same vehicle, responding to the same calls. And I want to play a clip here of Norm Lipinski, who was the chief of the Surrey Police Service, and he called yesterday on everyone to, you know, put down, let's let's all get along here and make this work. And he said the police officers who are working in Surrey right now, no matter what uniform they're wearing, he said they are, they are showing how they are working and getting along. And they're setting the example for the politicians, it appears. Let's have a listen to Lipinski speaking yesterday, and I'll get your thoughts. Frontline SPS and RCMP officers have set the example. Every day they put aside differences in their respective organizations and focus on the necessary work that needs to be done collectively and cooperatively we can do the same okay what do you think of that that point because you know this has been a very bitter dispute here between the province and the city we've got divisions in the community over this what do you how do you think it boils down on the street to the average cop
3: well let me tell you this bitter dispute it is not reflective on the men and women that are out there 24-7 delivering the service that we need in uh, Surrey right now, and I think they're the professionals in this area. This schoolyard behavior between especially the local government there is very upsetting, so uh, I think Chief Lipinski is right in his uh, assessment that the officers that are on the ground, they're going to be serving you regardless of the leadership problems or the political problems that arise out of this. Hopefully a lot of that now has been put aside Mike, and we can move on as professional
0: adults in the profession of policing. Hash, thank you for your thoughts on it today. I appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, let's talk about provincial power here and how it was wielded yesterday in this dispute. You had the provincial government bringing the hammer down here on a local municipal government, and Mike Farnworth, the solicitor general was asked yesterday how did that go with surrey mayor brenda Locke when when he talked to her on the phone and said okay here's what's coming we are going to force you uh, to do something you don't want here to go with this new police force how did she react and here's what farnworth had to say
2: i understand and i respect her position um, she's not happy uh, it's no secret that this is uh, Uh, has been a divisive issue um and she has a, a duty to the city of surrey and my responsibility is not only to surrey but also to the province
0: okay she's not happy i i think that's pretty evident and does she have a right to be unhappy let's discuss now with my guest eric woodward the mayor of the township of langley and i'm very pleased to welcome him back to the show Mayor. thanks for coming on today yeah mike thanks for having me on okay i appreciate it a lot what do you think of this decision
1: well, I think the, the more important question is the process in which it was made. So as the municipality directly adjacent to Surrey, one of the top 10 in the province, you know, you've got the, the second largest city in the province, uh, uh, you know, a decision of that council to proceed with the policing model that it wants being overruled. I have a number of concerns about the process used here and what the implications might be, You know, where last November, you know, uh, Minister Farnworth said very clearly it was Surrey's choice, and then six months later it's not safe you know where, you know where does the uh, the overreach end when we're starting to talk about overruling urban planning and now overruling
0: policing decisions uh, where does it end okay well he says that he has the authority to do this and he references specifically section 2 of the of the police act which gives authority to the the minister to establish the priorities, goals, and objectives of policing and to, and to ensure that the public is kept safe. So does that not give him the, the hammer?
1: I mean, it probably, it probably, I mean, he, they are the province and, and they're going to they're gonna make the decisions that they feel they're entitled to make. I think I'm going to go back to saying, you know, right after the election when Surrey voters chose to elect a mayor and council very clear on their position, that it was Surrey's choice, uh, which I—that's where I am at. I think it is Surrey's choice, and if they've now come up with a, a reasoning around how it's not safe, where was that reasoning under John Horgan? Where was that reasoning last November, uh, while this pro- this process had been going on for years? Uh, and all of a sudden, here we are now. It's not safe, and uh, I think uh, you know we're starting to see the province uh, coming down to the municipal level to dictate how cities are run uh, when they're not the ones paying for it. Uh, I think uh, that's the challenge that I think myself and a number of other mayors are starting to talk about.
0: Okay. I think the price tag of this is is crucial here. And this is something that Surrey Mayor Brenda Locke had mentioned frequently, that she made the argument that transitioning to this new police service was way more expensive than continuing with the RCMP. That's something the province did not dispute but farnworth also said well okay fine we're going to force you to do this but we'll help you pay for it we'll put 150 million dollars on the table here over several years to help and surrey has said well it's still not enough it's going to cost more than that do you believe that this is going to cost the, the taxpayers of surrey more money
1: i do so i you know i, I talk to mayor Locke on a, you know on occasions when we meet up uh, regionally and you know try to work together on self of the fraser issues and uh you know, I believe her and her council when they tell me it's going to be significantly more than $150 million. And it's only $30 million per year over five years. Right. Uh, I understand there'll be significant upfront capital costs as well. So it's, it's really, it's, you know, it's about this assertion that it's not safe. If the, you know, I, I didn't, we weren't hearing that last November. And, and here we are, we have the province overruling a duly elected council and the decision that it has made. And it's concerning to me and, and a few other mayors that uh, are wondering, you know, wh- where is this overreach going to stop?
0: Okay, you've heard from other mayors that, who agree with you that this is going too far. Is that correct?
1: I have, and of course, yeah. I think, you know I, I, you know, I know Brenda Locke, uh, Mayor Locke, very well. I respect her very much, and I've met the minister on a, a couple times, and I respect him as well. And I understand it's a tough decision, and it's a tough process. It's been going on a number of years, and it's a it's a divisive, controversial issue. I, I'm growing concerned about this And uh, urban planning interference and a number of other things that we're starting to hear about that, you know, if the municipality wants to start running cities, I think that that's the that's the direction and the debate that we need to have. And that's what I think that's what some of us are starting to feel and hear.
0: Speaking to Eric Woodward, the mayor of Langley Township, did the province go too far here in forcing Surrey to go with this new Surrey police service? Um, You have local police, policing issues of your own in Langley Township there, right? Can you remind the listeners about what's going on there, and, via, and do you think maybe the, the province could interfere there?
1: Well, we have a shared RCMP detachment with another municipality, of the city of Langley, and it, yeah. there's a number of challenges that have, that have emerged with that shared model, and we are, we have... Uh, notified the province and voted on as a local council to uh, move in the direction of having our own RCMP detachment. We are not contemplating a civilian force, uh, never have. And so, you know, is that process also going to be, you know, reviewed to a significant extent, or will, will be, will we be allowed to pursue the policing model that we want, that is outlined in the Police Act, to be the responsibility of the municipality to choose that? And if if that is not the right that municipalities have, we would like to know that.
0: Mayor Woodward, thank you for your time this morning. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft CoPilot.
3: That feeling when CoPilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When CoPilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when CoPilot uncovers hidden insights... You're on that beach, with your people, and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at microsoft.com slash AI for all. Shipping can
0: make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. All right, welcome back to the show as we continue talking about the big announcement yesterday by the provincial government. They bring the hammer down here on the city of Surrey. So it will be the Surrey Police Service that transition to a new local police department uh, will continue. The RCMP will be phased out in the city of surrey now i got peter cross standing by to discuss but first have a listen to the chief the surrey police service chief here uh, norm Lipinski. now relations between uh, the police chief and the surrey mayor uh, brenda lock i pretty much non-existent recently here as this dispute has dragged on but listen to Lipinski here i make an appeal here to everyone work together here have a listen I'm optimistic that Mayor Locke and Council will work collaboratively with the SPS and the SPS board to deliver the highest levels of public safety during and after the policing transition. Well, we'll see how that if that happens as we go forward here. Let's discuss now with my guest Peter Cross. Peter is a former RCMP officer in surrey and i recommend his blog there is some great stuff on there behind the yellow is where you can find his writing and i'm very pleased to welcome him back peter thanks a lot for coming on today thanks uh, good morning mike uh, good morning to you can you remind the listeners here when how long you were in the rcmp i was in the rcmp
4: for a total of 34 years and about 16 years of that was in surrey
0: yeah, so you're a veteran Surrey police officer, many years there. So, and I know you've been following this dispute very closely. What did you think of the decision yesterday by the province?
4: I, I was relieved by the decision. I think it was. I, I just didn't see how it could possibly go the other way if if one understood the logistics of policing and, and the situation the Mounties found themselves in. Um, so I was somewhat relieved to see if that's the way they went. I couldn't imagine going the other way and what would have happened as a result.
0: Now, why do you say that? What do you think the logistical challenges would have been here to go, to go back to the RCMP?
4: Well, it, the, the biggest problem they have, of course, is staffing and recruiting and the structure of the organization, which goes through Ottawa as opposed to going through something more local. So they've had this staffing problem, and I would conservatively say they've had the staffing problem for 20, 25 years. There's many of us that have been arguing that running at 30 percent vacancy rates in the province has been going on for a long, long time. We used to hear all the time in the Mounties while we're sitting in briefings, uh, we need to do uh, more with less. And we would hear we heard that years ago. We would would be calling people in on every shift to fill on an overtime. Um, So it's it's something that the biggest issue for them. And it's they've made their own sort of bed with this, and that's why uh, a lot of us are pretty disgruntled with how they handled the whole thing.
0: Peter, you were an, an RCMP officer in Surrey for a long time, as you mentioned. How do you think you're, I know you still have a lot of friends there in the force in Surrey, how do you think they're feeling about this whole thing, the way it's been been dragged out, and now the what appears well, think, to be a, a final resolution? Yeah, go ahead.
4: Yeah, I think the RCMP officers that are sitting in Surrey are of two minds. There's some that are also going to welcome this decision. There's many sitting in Surrey that will gladly move on to other places or into a federal position, which I think is sort of the, the current of the times. And there's others that will be disappointed. And um, and I guess always held on to the thought that the Mounties could never be displaced, which comes from a bit of a level of arrogance, I've got to tell you. that. Uh, um, but I, I think for the most part... The the man on the street, the officer on the street, the woman on the street has been working with the SPS for a while and have done so quite admirably together. This is upper management issues. And I've heard lots of stories about uh, the rivalry going between the two houses. So, Mr. Lipinski, uh, Chief Lipinski, in saying that, I think he's got some legitimate concerns of how it's going to go forward uh, in terms of their level of cooperation.
0: What do you think about the ability of the RCMP to police a, a large urban center, a big city like Surrey? This is the largest urban detachment that the RCMP has in, in the country. And one of the primary criticisms of that is that the RCMP are maybe more suited to rural policing and they aren't suited to policing a big city like Surrey. You were an RCMP officer in, this, in the city for many years. What do you think of that argument?
4: Well, I think it's valid to a certain extent. I think the RCMP's biggest problem is they find themselves in the middle. The rules and the logistics that supply the four-man detachment in Bella Coola is the same rules and uh, logistics that service an 800-member detachment in Surrey, and therein lies the problem. They're part way in and part way out all the time, um, and I think that's. Again, it goes back to Ottawa and federal decision and layers of bureaucracy, and the inability to react in any kind of uh, positive way, which is what local policing gives you. It gives you the ability to react.
0: React in in, in what way? They can be more rapidly. They can rapid more rapidly respond to local issues, or
4: uh, yeah, yeah. I, I oh for sure they can. Uh, the fact that. Uh, the RCMP, I don't think, has issued a statement yet that I've heard. I'm suspecting that that statement is going through Ottawa first to be vetted, and and yeah. it's kind of kind of symbolic of why you're not hearing anything yet. Um, yeah. it, it just takes longer.
0: What do you think about the the future of the RCMP in British Columbia? Because that's maybe the bigger question here. Because in in the days leading up to this decision, maybe in some ways it was not a big surprise what happened yesterday because Mike Farnworth and Premier David Eby had both kind of shown their cards a bit. They had tipped their hand a little bit here. Eby at one point talked about whether the RCMP is sustainable in British Columbia. And Farnworth saying he's talking to the feds about the future of the RCMP in, in B.C. Do you think that the, the RCMP at some point maybe? Phased out completely? I don't know
4: if they'll be ever phased out completely. Um, What is happening, I think, and I think part of it is actually being driven by Ottawa. I think they are envisioning themselves transitioning into a a federal-style police force. And they've they've talked about it many times, the emphasis on anti-terrorism and that kind of thing. And I think that's where they're aiming. I just don't think they want to admit it. I think they would love to get out of contract policing. I think it's a headache for them. Um, and I think there's a good uh, portion of the Ottawa uh, establishment that would like to see it go that way.
0: My guest is Peter Cross. Peter is a long-serving former RCMP officer, many, many years as a Surrey RCMP officer behind the yellowtape.ca is his website what do you think about the the sort of patchwork of policing that we have in metro vancouver we have individual rcmp detachments we have individual municipal police forces now we have a new municipal police force ramping up in surrey do you think it makes more sense to amalgamate all these police forces into a single metro police force we've seen that happen in other in other municip in, in other big jurisdictions in canada
4: Yeah, and it's a debate that's going to always plague the the policing world. It's regional policing versus individual policing, and there's pros and cons on both sides of it. Usually it's cost-sharing that wins out on the regional side. Um, It's local authority that wins out on the local side. Uh, 20 years ago, I can remember debating whether there would be two regional forces in the the lower mainland, one on one side of the Fraser and one on the other side of the Fraser. And I think even VPD was in favour of that back then. So I I think there's an ebb and flow to this, and I do think that's the way they're going. I would not be surprised to see various provinces adapt their own provincial police force. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, and that's certainly on the table here in British Columbia, too. Peter, thank you very much for your thoughts on it today. all right let's talk about the biggest sporting event in the world i'm talking about the world cup of soccer coming to vancouver in 2026 of course part of the north american staging of the world cup now we all know this is going to cost taxpayers here in british columbia a lot of money how much is it going to cost well maybe it won't surprise you here with inflation going up so are the costs to stage the world cup i got vancouver sun columnist reporter Daphne Brown. I'm standing by to discuss. She's written an excellent breakdown of the cost. I've just tweeted it out for you. Give me a follow on Twitter. You will find the link there. Got Daphne standing by to discuss. First, have a listen here to Chris May, the general manager of BC Place, on getting ready for the World Cup.
1: We know that we'll need to put a a watering system in, a lighting system in, and and then bring in the real grass. But right now, FIFA is working through exactly how do they make that happen. How do they make that happen consistently across 16 stadiums in different climates and three different countries?
0: Okay, I learned in Daphne's story today that FIFA officials have already been on the ground taking a look at uh, BC Place to try and answer some of those questions. Very pleased to welcome Daphne Bramham back to the show. Daphne, thanks a lot for coming on today.
5: It's my pleasure, but let's not forget the Women's World Cup started now. It's already underway, and that's another one that we've had already, but another one that's a big cost factor.
0: Yeah, you're, dar- you're darn right. Good reminder there for sure. So uh, congratulations on this story. I, I loved reading this because it, it's, a, it's a really good sort of comprehensive breakdown of some of these costs. So, Daphne, let's take a look at some of these the price tags here. What was, what was the original price tag for the World Cup in the, at the beginning of this?
5: Well, it was just an estimate, and it was going yeah. to cost between $240 million and $260 million. And maybe people will recall that what John Horgan said is that he didn't want to do it at first because he didn't want to give FIFA a blank check, and then he right. reneged, and he wrote him a blank check anyway. So here we are. <laughs> oh,
0: yes, I do remember the, the provincial government digging their heels in here and, and telling FIFA to get lost. <laughs> they didn't want to do this, and then they changed their mind. So, 240 to 260 million, and that's for what do we get for that?
5: Well, we're not really sure. No. Um, we were told that we would get five games, maybe six right. games. Right. Um, now we may get as many as eight because FIFA has changed its mind and it's expanded the tournament. So there is now going to be the largest tournament ever. It's going to have more teams, more games. Um, but we don't know how many games we're getting. Uh, We don't know what teams we're going to get, and it makes a huge difference, right? I mean, if if you've got the worst teams playing, I mean, maybe people will still go because it's World Cup, but the tickets are expensive, so maybe they won't go. Um, And I think we can assume, too, that not that many people are going to travel here for some of the worst teams, but I might be wrong about that. There are lots of soccer fans who have told me I'm completely wrong about all of this. Um, So... But that's just the beginning, right? So we don't know how many teams, or we don't know how many games, uh, we don't know when they're going to be played. What we do know is that FIFA has these very high demands. So among the things we have to do is for the entire duration of the World Cup, the city has to run a fan festival every day, fully programmed, um, with a big screen that, that plays the games live. But then it's got to also be programmed for the rest of the time. So there's got to have they've got to have other entertainment. They've got to have security. They've got to have food. They have to have cultural activities, and they have to have a place to hold it.
0: Mm-hmm. And do we know where the, all those events are going to be held? This fan festival. Where will that be? Where will that all happen?
5: Of course, we don't know because no, the city of Vancouver <laughs> has refused to provide any information. But okay. just just last week, they approved. They approved upgrades to this amphitheater that's been planned for quite a while out at Hastings Park. Right. And it was as it would seem to be, well, it would seem to be a good place, right? 10,000 seats um, and it was I think the amphitheater initially what they were thinking about too was actually for the Olympics because at the point that they started to talk about the amphitheater, really talk about the amphitheater, was when we were still bidding for the 2030 Olympics. But, um, when it, when the model was unveiled in April the cost was 64.8 million dollars but last week the cost jumped to 103.7 million wow yeah 40 million bucks and that's before anybody's been hired it's before anybody's started digging and what they've done is they've they've it, it's called scope creep and it happens with all of these mega events right Suddenly, oh, we'll use this as an opportunity to make it even better because we're going to make all this money. So they've increased the size. They've added more VIP suites, which to me, you know, VIP suites, that just reeks of of World Cup officials needing places to go because we're also apparently going to expand the number of, of VIP spots at BC Place. Anyway, the amphitheater is getting more VIP suites. It's getting a soundstage, rigging equipment, more dressing rooms. Permanent food and drink concessions, a full production kitchen, 25 more washrooms, better landscaping, better signs, and an entrance feature. Wow. All of, all of that. And, and they say that we're going to have all of these events. They're going to have a whole bunch more events, except we're not getting any more events than we were, what they were talking about before they did the big upgrade.
0: Okay. Well, that is a very ambitious expansion of this Hastings Park amphitheater for sure. And as you mentioned, the price tag. So it's gone from 64.8 million to almost 104 million. So, you know, we know that inflation is, is been running high, but man, that's like 60% increase, but it sounds like it's mostly because, like you said, scope creep. So they're just making it bigger and flashier with more, more features,
5: right? Right. And, and that's, yeah. That's not even, as far as, as far as I understand it, that's not even included in the $260 million. Oh,
0: okay, so that's on top of the two hundred and sixty million for the World Cup. Yeah.
5: It may be, but we don't really know because among the other costs that we're going to have to pay are security costs. And what oh, we can recall from the 2010 Olympics is that was just like through the roof. Yeah. Um we they've got to pay for grass uh, as as the as he was saying in the clip they've got to they've got to change a whole bunch of stuff at BC Place Stadium they've got to put in real grass it's got to be perfect grass they have to make sure that the the practice grounds they've got to be at least two practice grounds those have got to be up to up to standard um, we 've got to have more VIP boxes uh, Bob Mackin's done some reporting on that on having we 've got to have more v i p boxes at b c place we 've got yeah. to have parking spots for them we 've got to have transportation for them um, this is this is going it 's going to be huge it 's yeah. just going to be huge and yeah. you know i i i feel I, I actually sort of feel sorry for for the bureaucrats um, because you know this this Estimate. The bureaucrats are the ones that are now having to say things like, well, we know that inflation has risen significantly. We don't know what the costs are going to be. And they don't know because FIFA won't tell them. FIFA won't mm-hmm. give them the most basic information. And part of the reason that, that I know as much as, I've learned as much as I have about what FIFA even requires is because the city of Toronto, um, they're talking about $300 million just for the city of Toronto. And the Taxpayers' Federation has already asked the new, the new mayor of Toronto to just renege on the deal, because oh. this is just going to go through the roof. And, you know, it, I, think, I think it's interesting that the Taxpayers' Federation would come in at this point, but really, we knew this. I mean, we, there, there are so many studies, so much information out there about how these mega events go from, oh, they're going to be fabulous and cheap, to, they're going to be fabulously expensive. And we never really understand whether we get those benefits. I mean, we're talking about getting a billion dollars in benefits from this. There's never been a study that's shown that we get that much in benefits. Yeah. It's just a hope and a dream.
0: When you describe some of those changes, Daphne, to BC Play Stadium, I recall when the provincial government originally said no to this whole thing to FIFA, they cited those bc place provisions as, as a key reason why they were they were resisting this because you have to put in a natural grass surface for the players to play on. yeah these world cup soccer players they're not going to play on astro turf forget it they need a natural grass surface in bc place and i recall that they om- they not only needed a, a natural grass field in bc place but they needed another one a backup one to bring in just in case something goes wrong with the first one. And then there was also a requirement for a separate power grid for BC Place, an independent power supply, just in case there's a power failure, because they they certainly don't want to get the, the games knocked off the TV airwaves. These games are watched around the world. Are those requirements all still in place there?
5: Well, nobody's seen the contract Okay. They, keep, they refuse to, the, the city refuses to release the contract and, and the province hasn't released it either. Yeah. And, you know, the other, uh, my understanding is from, from, there have been contracts in the past that have been made public. My understanding is, too, that in the contract it says FIFA can change, they can change the requirements at any time. Yeah, and so as far as they, secure- they may decide, you know, the world with climate change, they may decide. I don't know. We have to have misters over every, every over every after, over every seat. I mean, they, it, it really. When John Horrigan talked about a blank check, boy, we signed yeah. it.
0: Yeah, it it does seem like, yeah, who knows? We don't know what the costs will be. It seems like maybe the sky's the limit here on this thing. What about, you mentioned security, and I remember how the security costs for the Vancouver Olympics went through the roof, as you mentioned. So aren't the, is the federal government picking up part of the tab here for
5: that? At this point, the federal government has not committed any money to the World Cup. Oh, wow, okay. Not, in, not for Toronto, not for Vancouver.
0: Okay.
5: Um, I think the assumption is, and again, the, the province the provinces says that's one of the unknowns that they're dealing with right now. Um, the feds have not stepped up and said what they're going to do. But I, you, have to, you have to figure that um, for John Horgan to have done this about face. The feds must have given them some indication that they were going to put up the money because the only reason that, that Vancouver was back in it was because Alberta pulled out. Edmonton yeah. pulled out. What and, about this?
0: Um, what about this hotel tax, Daphne? Didn't they bring in a hotel tax, a temporary yeah. one, to help pay for this?
5: Yeah, it's already in place. It's two point five percent on on ho- on every hotel room. Um, two point yeah. five, yeah, two point five percent. And so, what we have already is. I mean, Vancouver is a very expensive city to come and visit. I, I mean, we're lucky. We don't have to pay. A, we only have to pay for housing here. We don't have to stay at, at a hotel. But the hotel rates here are, they're certainly world-class rates. And so we added another 2.5% on that. That should cover, they're hoping it will, will raise the $230 million of the original estimate.
0: Okay.
5: So that okay. should cover So that should be helpful.
0: Okay. What I, do you think there should be more? Okay. Bottom line it here for me, Daphne. Do you think there should just be more public disclosure and transparency around this? Like, let's see the contract. Let's know how much. Let's, let's see the price tag.
5: I, I I personally think that these mega mega events should not be held in this in your city. Mm. I I think that 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 when we have so many problems to be spending this kind of money. On an event that most people will never be able to afford to go to, yes, everybody loves watching it on TV. Yes, it's great. Yes, it's a huge world event. But these are expensive things, and to, for city, civic, provincial and federal politicians, to commit to doing these with us without us having a chance to vote on it and discuss mm. it is despicable.
0: All right. Daphne, thank you for your time today. Great job in this story. I recommend it to the listeners. Thank you for coming on. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Mike Smith Show podcast. Can't wait for the latest episode to drop. Tune into the show live from nine to noon on 980 CKNW. Want to reach out to me personally with a question or comment? Send me an email, mike at cknw.com. Thanks again for listening.